and welcome to the Creators Podcast. My name's Richard Beatty, and uh, this episode I'm going to be talking about the Killer Bees. Um, now, obviously, it's, it's, it's one of my biggest creations, I guess it's what I'm best best known for. So, um, around this time of year, you get a lot of inquiries. I've been, you know, there's been a lot of people contacting us about buying uh, the tattoo machines that I'm building. Um, I've been quite quiet with it recently, so I thought I'd thought I'd record this to uh, put it out there, the full story of it, really, because people have heard the the beginnings of it and how it started, and in certain places there is bits of information out there but really I've never told the, the the full story so um yeah so that's what we're we're going to be talking about so um I need to kind of go back to obviously in episode one um I said about um when I started tattooing I started tattooing when I was 11 and I, I made my first tattoo machine when I was 12 now I didn't know that I was going to end up making tattoo machines when I was, you know, 46, you know, or 39, maybe 38 when I started doing it. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a funny, you know, unusual cycle of, of events that when you look back sort of makes sense, but I didn't really plan on doing any of it. I just, it was just stuff that I was doing. So, um, so yeah, I started tattooing when I was 11 and I made my first tattooing machine. When I was 12, I realised that doing dots in a straight line wasn't very easy with a needle and a, um Indian ink. So um, I made my first tattooing machine when I was 12 and um, I was always an artist. I was always drawing on stuff and uh, I got into airbrushing and I was doing murals and stuff and got into airbrushing and I was painting... Um, mobile phones and stuff like that when when Nokia's were big fat you know bricks and when Nokia's were Nokia's really um and yeah then 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 back cars came um I started building custom cars and I was um again doing a lot of airbrushing and then uh that uh, the recession came the last recession came and that uh, put an end to that business and the I then got into the back into the tattooing so um over the space of what well, I don't know a couple of years I'd been tattooing a lot and I'd started immortal and um obviously my hands my hands had worked really hard for a long time with the airbrushing and everything else that I'd I'd done, and um, at a point early on, um, starting Immortal Art Studio, um, I got an I got an injury in my hand. I started getting a pain in my hand, uh, in my in my tattooing hand. And tattooing is a very two-handed job. You've got to stretch the skin with one hand, and you've you you know you control the machine with the other. Um, and what had happened was, uh, I was starting to get a repetitive strain injury. I didn't know it at the time, but um, I just thought I had a sore thumb, and it was right in the, 
the first knuckle next to your palm on my left thumb. And it it started to lock. Um, the pain got worse and worse, and the, the my thumb actually started to lock, so it would click if it got to a certain point. It would click into uh, a position where my th- the tip of my thumb was pretty much touching my palm, and I, I couldn't undo it. I couldn't. I couldn't straighten it out physically with my left hand by itself. This was extremely agonising already when it clicked, um, and now it was stuck there in a cramped sort of agonising pain and the, the the next bit was I had to get my other hand to straighten out my thumb it was it was excruciating um and it just started to get worse and worse and worse it progressed really quickly um and it well I mean you can imagine the the problems that it was it was causing I was um <clears throat> I'm tattooing here and my, my my thumb all of a sudden clicks into a position <laughs> about maybe two inches away from where it was sort of thing. So I, I was messing up tattoos, you know, that I, I, I was, and that's the worst thing that like you, you could be in as a tattooist, like in a position of doing, you know, like I was literally having to do cover ups. 30 seconds after I'd just fucked something up on a regular basis. Um, and, yeah, it was just awful. Work became awful. Um, I didn't want to go to work anymore. It was it was too painful. It was the, 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 the mental torture was... It, it, it was absolutely awful. And when, when I found out that, uh, that... I went to the doctors and they said, ah, it's just like that that injury that everybody's getting from using mobile phones. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, apparently people get a very similar injury from, from texting too much. So uh, at least I knew what it was, and he explained that like um, I needed uh, an operation, and the, the, there was a, a ball on my... Like, like if you got a rope and you put it over the edge of a table on a sharp edge of a table sort of thing and you just moved it backwards and forwards like just an inch you know backwards and forwards eventually that bit of rope would get bust up on that point and so that's what had happened to my tendon because of the the uh, the, the shading action of, of, of colouring in essentially um, the uh, that, what, that, that that's what had been going on with my tendon now, it might not have been so bad if I wasn't using machines that were very top heavy. I haven't got one to explain it, but you, you know, you you you've got a a, a a tattoo machine, a traditional coil tattoo machine, which is what I started with. That's a um, couple of ounces at the top. You know, this is a really heavy machine, and it's nowhere near your hand. It's way above your hand, and then you're trying to hold it with a, a grip that's generally about twenty five mil wide it's a way fatter than a pencil but um you're still in a very cramped up position 
and trying to grip tight to control the weight that's hanging above your hand. So I realized that it was the the machines that was causing the problem. And if that weight balance could be altered, then the level of grip needed to control the weight would be less. Therefore, I wouldn't have to hold the machine so tightly causing damage to my tendon. So um, I, I decided to build a tattoo machine. It wasn't as if I hadn't done it before, you know, and um, with all my skills from the, the, the custom car industry, um, I'm pretty confident I can make almost anything. So a tattoo machine didn't seem much of a challenge, really, to be honest with you. Um, so the whole... Th- Every, everybody that out there making tattoo machines, they were all, and most of them still are, I, I describe it as it, it's the same suite in a different wrapper. The the geometry, uh, the basics of it, when you go and get the, back down to the basics, it's just the same as the one before. It's just a different colour, uh, different shape, and, you know, people buy it because they think, oh, it's a, it's a new thing, but... Um, Nothing. No, none of the problems were getting sorted. The problem, the, the problem with the weight at the uh, too far up was still there and being just been repeated, and it's still been repeated a, a decade on, you know. But um, so I chucked the whole design of the tattoo machine out the window because I, 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 I've seen them as all with faults, and I'm not really into copying stuff. So um, I, I went back and looked at the. The, the the thing from different with different eyes you know like how would you make it how how would I make it like without like looking at the other mechanisms that were that, that were out there and uh, the the design features so I'm from the car industry originally and um, so I, a lot a lot of what I what I did with the killer bees was actually based on on cars um, first of all I, I looked at what it needed to be. It needed to be comfortable and well balanced. It needed to be very ergonomic, and it needed to reduce the the, the strain in your in your hand and in your fingers and in um, you know in your arm and that. It needed to be hygienic because so many machines out there on the market weren't then and still aren't now hygienic. You can't clean them properly, and that's just ridiculous. Um, the the, the the other main thing that there was three things the other the third thing was it had to be reliable because the other th- problem with machines on the market is the, the the very much weren't reliable and if you drop it on the floor you're having a bad day and your client's not getting tattooed unless you've got a backup machine um because generally a drop from workstation to to the floor would unset a coil machine and it would um, potentially damage the the flimsy internals of a lot of the the, the other machines out there so um, yeah th- th- those three things I, I felt were really important comfort hygiene and reliability because it's a tool it's 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 a tool that we we use to produce our our work and uh, it's not a toy, and it's certainly not a sweetie. 
So um, I, I, I went at it with the, the ethos of Snap-on, who make the best tools in the world. Um, they're able to, to, to put a lifetime guarantee on the tools because they, they, they know that they're going to last a lifetime. And I wanted these things to last a lifetime. I didn't want them to be disposable. I didn't want them to be um, uh, just using up resources for the sake of it. It's called integrated obsolescence, where large companies that have the the design and the, and the business ethos of making as much money as possible and have the design capabilities of doing it can actually work out how long a part is going to last and when it's going to break down. And the design, the the... Um, the the machine or device t- so that it will break down it's around about that time so that you have to buy a new one and it's not a good idea for for sales as far as the company's concerned but um i wasn't designing that into a machine now bearing in mind here i was just making this machine for myself i wasn't intending on selling it um I had a problem with my hand and I needed to sort it out because I don't think anybody can understand unless you've been in this position. And I guess a lot of people with uh, what's going on now in, you know, um, 2020 um, has been in a position where you're potentially looking at losing your income. Now, I was sat there thinking, looking at my entire career being took away. My, my doctor was saying that I needed an operation. Um, and I was saying, I've just opened a studio and I'm the only tattooist. And I can't take six months off and, be, you know, I, I need another solution. So, I, like, getting an operation wasn't really a solution for me. So, I made a brace for my thumb. I used a, a thermoformable plastic called Polymorph. Now, um, the... It's it's something that if, if anybody's got any problems out there with the tendons, it's a good way of making a brace. I was speaking to someone today about it. Um, you just heat this plastic up and you shape it round. And I just made a, like a little splint from a thumb that went around my thumb like a sleeve. And I was still able to move my thumb, but it stopped it bending into that position, which stopped the clicking, which meant I could tattoo. So not pain-free, but agony free you know so i was tattooing like with my thumb sort of sticking out a bit of a bit of a raj angle but um it 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 worked it helped me to to continue to tattoo (coughs) while i was working on on designing the these tattoo machines so i played with all sorts of stuff um the first one i actually made was um I'd had this thought about using um, music frequencies and, um, well, frequencies, and uh, it's called a voice coil motor. There is tattoo machines out there that do exist, I think, now that are essentially using the same principle. And it works like a speaker. And uh, I made a machine out of a, a speaker. I used a speaker to do it just to test the theory, and sure enough, it's here pushing a needle and... Um, extremely fast speeds too fast for tattooing really but it was very controllable because you could give it different frequencies and stuff but it was also very heavy so that like it it wasn't um it wasn't suitable for the for what i was trying to do because ultimately i was going for the the balance um of the machine so um i started playing around with wax 
just carving wax into shapes to see what what fit and then from that point um uh, an old friend that I used to work with us with the cars um he does CAD design and 3D printing and he um he d- did some some um CAD and uh, we made the first uh, 3D printed shapes we played on with different shapes in 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 plastic rather than um and and we were able to put motors in them um and and they were rough but you could you know we could test a mech- the, the mechanism the drive mechanism and the ergonomics of it by um you know in a 3d printed very rough version of the idea really good way of uh, concepting you know bringing a bringing an idea a shape a complex shape especially into into reality so you can feel it because carving them with wax it's it's it takes a long time and um it gets you started but the 3d printing was a, a massive help then we went to a, fir- uh, a first um working model um in in aluminium and this one wasn't designed for the external parts this was actually like a, a test bed for the the internals so the outside didn't it didn't matter what it looked like now this thing was tiny um and uh, but but it was you know it certainly proved concept uh, me apprentice rob richardson he was able to tattoo with it for quite a long time before uh um had problems with the motors on the on on, on the early on the early ones so um but it was nowhere near a, a production machine yet um it was still it was still just a a project you know something something that we it, it, it was a long way away and um but, but the, the motors were, were were an issue we we needed to the next thing was if i wanted it to last for a lifetime you know to be have that strength and be, be so robust i needed a good motor and obviously i'd had some problems with the earlier motors um so we switched to maxon and after a lot of research found that they, they would just well they are good they're really good really really good um if you had like the 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 bugatti of uh um motors it's probably it's probably maxon um and then you know the the other motors that we use uh fall harbor that they're probably the lamborghini the, the, these are really really good motors um and the 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 price um also shows that but the um they're incredibly strong and we're overpowered <coughs> for what what we originally needed but um the uh, the next step was the the, the first alloy one was um, Jonathan actually cut it on on a a nineteen fifties pillar drill that had been converted into a CNC machine. So like this 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 was a quite a tractor of a device really, but and but it did work and and so we weren't able to get a good finish or anything, and we needed to move on to the the, the final shapes and stuff. So. I'd sorted sort of at the time exhausted what Jonathan was capable of doing with with his equipment. So I went to a company called Complete Engineering in Carlisle, and um, yeah, big shout out to these guys. They're um, they're, they're a small engineering company that takes on all sorts of 
all sorts of different jobs from doing engine work, you know, um, skimming heads and stuff like that to making wheels for small gauge trains and um, to making killer bees. They, they, they also do a lot for the nuclear industry. They, they also do a lot for M Sport and uh, Malcolm Wilson with his uh, World Rally cars. So the, the, the you know, the, the take on all sorts of, all sorts of jobs and they've, uh, they'd had what I needed for the next stage of um, developing the, the, the bees. So um, I, one of the things that I needed was um, CAD design um, on a on another level, you know. Something that we, from, from an engineering point of view, could be translated into something that could be cut from... from solid lump of aluminium which is how the killer bees are cut they're, they're a solid lump of aluminium so um the the guys at complete engineering very kindly lent me um one of their juniors called sam now sam is probably the 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 biggest unsung hero with uh, with this whole thing because nobody knows who Sam is really. Sam's the guy who did all the the CAD for the actual killer bees that that you see today. Sam's the guy that um, has cut all of the bodies. Sam's the guy that makes all of the parts. Um, there's been other people involved, like you know, um, over the years, but Sam's really ran that 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 whole project within the within the engineers and delivered me the parts that I need, how I need them. If I need alterations made, then he's the guy that sorts it out. And um, yeah, so com complete engineering. I've never really spoke about them because no one really needs to know where I get my stuff made. And it, I don't know. It's not like they're looking for business as such in that, in, in my market, but um you know, in, in, in this scenario of us uh, explaining how and, you know, the, the, the journey, I think that the, um, it is important to to give those guys a, a, a lot of credit for um, what I've been able to achieve because they have been with us all the way. Um, it's been a surprisingly long journey because I didn't expect it to, to even get to this again. I was only making a machine for myself. I had no intention of selling these. They, that was not the plan at all. Um, I was just making, making something that, 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 that hopefully was going to sort out my problem. Um, so we actually made the, the, the bumblebee first. Most people think it was the, the, the killer bee, but it wasn't. It was the bumblebee. And um, that 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 machine now... Oh, go on here. So for people watching on YouTube, you can see it. For people on the podcast, you need to go to YouTube. But the bumblebee is a very short machine that sits right inside your hand. All the weight is inside your hand. The, the idea of it was to put the the motor inside the grip so there was no top weight where the motor was be because the grip the, the motor and all the heavy bits are inside your hand um and 
totally achieved that with the with the bumblebee. I think it's still the shortest tattoo machine in the world. People don't realise how small this thing is. I could actually make it smaller. Um, but um, yeah, the bumblebee came first, and uh, we called it the bumblebee because it's short, fat, and got a spike coming out of it that stings a little bit. Um, there wasn't really a lot of uh, creativity went on there, really. It just seemed an obvious name to call it. It seemed, it kind of started as a code name because, like, the, the early drawings of it, it even looked even more like a bumblebee. So it was sort of like a code name that, that sort of stuck, and that's what happened with all the other ones as well. So, um, pretty much. So, yeah, the bumblebee came first, but... The mechanism, there was some issues with the drive mechanism. It was creating too much friction, um, and I hadn't got that nailed yet. There was a few other things that I hadn't got nailed, the depth control mechanism for one. So I switched to a... Um, and there was also... The, the, the friction problem was causing problems with the motors. So I had a bunch of problems that I had to sort out. So what I did was completely redesign and go for a, a whole other machine because uh, it meant I could put a much bigger motor in. This is where I went to Maxon and um, started using Maxon motors. I was able to put a much bigger machine uh, motor in it and iron out some of the some of the design problems. And even then, I had a load of issues right the way along the way, working out the depth control mechanism and the drive system and everything like that. It was all right having an idea, oh, we could do it like this, and you make a prototype, and it costs an absolute fortune to do all the CAD and then make the prototype and then get a motor in it and then test it and then realise that it, it doesn't work and you chuck it out the window. So I'd went through maybe 10 Bumblebee prototypes before I was like, you know, stop. Maybe it wasn't a good eight anyway. I've got at least eight eight different stages of Bumblebee uh, prototypes sat in there, um, what's probably going to be a museum one day. Um, and so then we moved on to the, the, the Killer Bee, and again, same sort of situation, although like you thought you were closer to get it absolutely refined to how you want it, um, there was a lot of changes that had to be made, but you could only test whether the changes were right if you made a working machine and tested it. So all of these, all of the CAD design and, and um, although Sam was coming at a discount rate, it was still expensive. And, you know, a prototype machine could have, each one, I would say, about 1,500 quid um, to... to to get it to a stage where you could use it and the changes that you have to make and then make the machine and then, um, you know, they, they then put a motor in it and, and it was expensive and some of them I was literally just running it for a minute, two minutes, five minutes um, and then chucking it in the bin, obviously taking the motor out of it and stuff and... Um, yeah, uh, so it took took quite a while to refine it. Some of the the, the, the tolerance in between the push rod and the the channel that the the push rod sits in, um, which drives the needle. You, you know, we were altering the tolerances in that because that was 
creating different levels of friction, which was creating different levels of temperature. If we had it too loose, it created a rattle on the needle. If we had it too tight, it created too much friction in the body. So um, also the different greases were affecting it. So there was a lot of testing and working out and really fine adjustments machines that looked almost exactly the same as another machine, but there was extensive changes being been made to it towards the end um so i got the got the killer b to a stage where i was happy with it it was as perfect as i could get it and um we so that then started back on the bumblebee actually we you know went straight back to the bumblebee because what i'd learned with the bumblebee sorry the killer bee well the bumblebee and then the killer bee but what i'd developed in the killer bee i was then able to reverse engineer back into the bumblebee to sort out the problems that would add with the bumblebee originally so um so now i've got i've, I've got the killer bee anyway and i'm now i'm now tattooing with it and um it, obviously I, I took my brace off uh to tattoo which was the first time i took my brace off in a, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a long time really um you know i was wearing it on a night at, at home as well because um if i moved on the night and my thumb went into a certain position the little lump on the on the tendon what was actually happening was the lump on the tendon which had now solidified the bit that was burst up had now solidified into like a hard ball well there's a tube runs through your knuckle all of your knuckles, there's a tube runs through that your tendon runs through like a guide tube. And what was happening was that ball was going through the guide tube and getting stuck on the other side. And that's why my thumb was stuck in that position. So if I was asleep and rolled over and, and, and knocked my thumb and it moved too far, it would click into that position. And I was then awake in agony. Um, so it was destroying my sleep and everything. It, was, it, it wasn't just tattooing that it was causing problems with. It was picking up a cup of tea and it, it it then clicking into and i'm spilling cups of tea you know it it was it was a constant chronic pain that, um um so the brace really really did help it was uh it was massive so um yeah so i'd i'd got to the stage where i had a perfect machine and another one on the way and I'd sort of achieved my goals, really. That's that's what I'd set out to do. I'd started using it without the brace, and I wasn't getting the same problem. My, um, my, my the brace, using the brace and not aggravating the situation, it, it definitely reduced the swelling. So, um. I was able to take the brace off and tattoo with the, the killer bee. Now, I was expecting to have problems, but I didn't. And the my hand got continued to get better um, to the point of eventually I had no pain. And, you know, even at home, even sleeping and all that sort of stuff, it, it, it was gone and I was tattooing flat out again. So... At this point, I really knew that the the, the whole concept of, of how that grip was designed. Um, yeah, there was quite a bit went into the grip really to 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 to, to work out. It was a lot to do with balance and weight distribution. Um, 
the machines are a little bit heavier than than a lot of tattoo machines these days, but it's all to do with that balance and, and having things perfectly weighted. The machine actually will sit on your balanced on your one finger and it sits at pretty much perfect tattooing angle. So all I've got to do is gently move my thumb around and it's I'm in full control of the machine. And what I found was that I was able to um relax the relax my grip so much and obviously reduce that stress on that 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 tendon that not only did my my hand relax but I realized that I was carrying a lot of stress in my wrist so I was able to relax my wrist and then I realized that I was carrying quite a lot of stress in my shoulder and so that relaxed and then I realized that my posture had improved. Now I've got a bad back. I've had an operation on my back. So it's another thing that I'm very aware of and suffer a lot with. Um, and I noticed that my back was a lot better because my posture was better because the, the handling of the machine was so much easier and more flowing. You can hit angles that a lot of machines don't feel comfortable at certainly the ones that I was using and certainly coils don't feel comfortable at um so yeah the maneuverability of it was um amazing and, and it really did reduce stress not just in my hand but um in my whole tattooing posture and um so at this point, I'd, I, I really had noticed that um, I'd made something that worked for what I intended it to do. It was super reliable. It was super powerful. Um, it was so easy to clean. Um, it, it done, I'd completely achieved everything that I wanted to do with it. Now, when you set a goal of, of, of doing something, and obviously I wanted to make a tattoo machine, that was my goal. Um, when you achieve a goal you often you don't like kind of continue on with it but I was it's you know because I'd, I'd done what I wanted to do but I was sat there thinking that that the, I'd spoke to so many people about it along the way that knew that I was making this machine and knew why I was making this machine so I'd spoke to a lot of people about hand problems um and realized that I wasn't the only one like by a, by a long shot, I was walking around tattoo conventions and realizing that everybody that's got the grip wrapped up fat with kitchen roll and loads of tape around it, and um, they're doing that for a reason. It's because the hands fucked. Now, do you think they want to tell the client that the hands knackered? You know, do you think I wanted to tell my client that my, that, that I'm here tattooing with a knackered hand? No, it was embarrassing. You know. So um, I didn't want people to know, but when I started talking about it, I realised that there is other people in this industry that have got knackered hands and don't necessarily talk about it because, well, think about it. It doesn't look good, does it? You know? So, um, yeah, it, there's the, the, it, it, I realised that it's, it's quite prolific. It's a thing. It's a big thing. And all of these people must be thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, like, you know, this is my career, this is how I feed my kids, this is, um, you know, how I pay the bills, you know. So what do you do and what do they do, you know? So I thought, well, 
maybe I'll maybe I'll mech some. I'll mech like five. <laughs> um, so I did. I, 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 I think I made like five, or maybe maybe the first batch was maybe ten. I think the first batch was maybe ten. Um, and the I didn't really have a plan from this point. You know, like I've I've not. I didn't int- I didn't design it to be to be manufactured. I designed it for me. So there was no corners cut. Um, every component in it is the best materials that could be used for that that purpose. Um, so there was there was there was no corners cut, and it was expensive to make. But I thought, well, you know, people will realise that this is good quality, and it serves a purpose of um, uh, stopping you getting hand strains. Um, Increasing the hygiene standards of the tattoo industry and giving you a machine that your kids are going to inherit if you look after it. So with no breakdowns, more reliability, obviously. So I thought, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. This is this is a good thing. Um, so I set about doing the first batch. And that was quite an experience. And um, obviously... Uh, it was an expensive batch of machines to build. Um, I had to buy, you know, more motors because I was buying. The, I was just buying them in, um, you know, ones and twos at the in, in in the early days. So I had to invest now into uh, the first batch of machines, motors, and getting the bodies made and all the parts. And uh, I had no real. I didn't have a sales ma- a marketing budget. Um, I didn't have a plan other than to get the machines into the hands of people that would talk about them and obviously in the in the tattoo industry there's the um the the thing that's so huge it's been sponsored it's it's a bizarre thing really because like you don't see sponsor um, um joiners getting sponsored off dewalt or you know mechanics getting sponsored off snap on um but in the tattoo industry, there's a lot of uh, sponsoring going on, which is a, a little bit inverse in, in the way it used to be, where tattooists didn't talk about the equipment that they used or the uh, the inks or anything like that. It was all kept a secret. Um, but now it's all publicly promoted by the, the tattoo artist, which does help the, the manufacturers of those products. And the community as it is, um, a likes the, the 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 sponsorship for the artists it, it's a it's a good uh rub on their ego and for the for the company whether it's ink or machines or whatever it puts them out there and people are asking them oh what type of machine are you using and they say oh, i'm using the killer bee and um you know you do get sales off the back of that so um i was uh i was starting on a new plan but just making it up as I go along, really. Um, I did not expect to be in this this situation, you know. So now I'm speaking to tattoo artists, and 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 this is one of the best things that it's the Killerbees have done for for me. It's opened up the doors to speaking to tattooists all around the world. Um, and I started doing tattoo conventions, and I sponsored a few artists, and um, I started having meetings with supply companies, um, and one of the biggest supply companies in the in the country says, "Yeah, we'll take it on. It's fantastic. We want to we want to sell it." But it, 
what price are you going to sell it at? And now I was wanting to, because I, I know how compared to everything else that's on the market, I know this thing's a flipping Bugatti. So I, I felt it should be at the, well, at the highest end of the price uh, bracket. But uh, they insisted if they were going to take it on that it needed to uh, match the, the the current pricing and the design, the manufacturing process, the components, the materials aren't conducive to um, really working with this price. It's possible, but it meant that like profit for me was very little, uh, especially when you took into account the massive markup that the the uh, supply companies demand. Um. So it, it it adds two sides to it, you know. It's it, it was a good thing that it was with the supply companies, but at the same time, um, not that um, it, it, I was I was losing out a lot, you know. So um, just one second, I'm just gonna switch it. Plug on. There we go. Um, so yeah, they kind of screwed the price down. I'd have liked to have seen it at about 800 quid. And to be honest with you, it's, it's worth more than that. But um, that's a ridiculous price for the Saturn machine. But this was as good as it could get. So, um, yeah, they screwed us on the, on the retail price, but they also screwed us on the, the um, percentages as well. And uh, essentially, I ended up being forced to sell Bugattis for BMW prices. And that was, in my mind, still a big mistake. It was it it it, it maybe put it out there a bit more, and um, but I think it uh, diluted. Uh, it certainly diluted the profits, and it, it, it diluted what I was able to do. For instance, um, that the the profits that had come from that would have put a new machine on the table a lot sooner than it ever did, you know, so um, it would it would afford us to be able to develop, but really it, it, it screwed it down to just a wage, you know. Um, so to, to get a bit more money out of them, I, I, I wanted to um, start customising them. They'd been designed with the intention of being customised because uh, people who like coil machines, the old, the, the old school guys, they were always like messing on with stuff and customising things and the modern machines weren't really customisable. It was just like, you know, buy a liquor box of uh, quality streets and, you know, you can pick that one and pick that one and it's that's what it's like. People have got all these uh, um, sweeties in the drawer. But I wanted these machines to be customisable partly because I'm from the custom industry, obviously, with the cars um, and partly because of uh, we're working with artists. So um, that's why the the body of the machine has got um, very plain sides, plain top. It's just a smooth panel. Um, all the panels were, the, the exterior surface was designed to be engraved. Um so once I'd got a few machines out there, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd sold a few machines, I'd sponsored some artists, things were starting to get moving, the supply companies were starting selling them. Um, so I started to uh, think about the engraving side of things and I, know <laughs> I thought this would be easy. I thought, yeah, I'll just... I'll just find a engraver and 
it'll engrave it and then I'll be able to sell that and then people will want that service and then um, I'll be able to get him to engrave more and then uh, obviously we'll be putting out custom machines I'll make a little bit off the engraving and Kushti no um, it turns out that the tight it's a bit small for gun engravers and they want to work in steel, you know, um, on, on hard metals, but which pushed us to jewellery engravers. And jewellery engravers, everyone that I contacted tended to be an old man. And they turned around and they says, a tattoo machine in aluminium. I only work in silver and gold. So I, I was battering my head against a brick wall until one of... One of the clients at the studio, uh, who's a jeweller, introduces to the engraver that he uses. Uh, thanks for that one, Patrick. And um, called Mark Hughes, I don't remember. I need to get back in touch with that guy. Um, so I sent him a machine. Now then, I sent him. I, I, I didn't know what his skill set was like or anything. I'd seen a couple of rings that he'd done and stuff. And so I sent him a machine to engrave. And he only engraved one side of it and sent it back. And um, uh, because what the plan was, I was going to take off the 13th machine off the production line. Well, I had. I'd pulled off the 13th machine off the production line. And I was sat keeping it because number 13's tattoo was looking number. So I thought, I'll keep number 13. So I wanted a number 13 engraved onto it. So uh, he engraved a number 13 with filigree onto the side of it, sent it back, I looked at it and thought, well, that's like, looks fantastic as far as I'm concerned. But really it was just a, um, it wasn't a fully completed job. It just gave us a suggestion of what he's capable of doing. Um, so now there was that machine with the, the first 13 just on one side. Eventually I did actually sell uh, someone wanted to buy it, built it, sold it, and I think it's been sold on a couple of times since. And it ended up in the hands of a lass that did ask me. I says there's a story behind that machine, and um, she says I'll tell her sellers, and I says oh, it's too long, but I will at some point tell that story. So I can't remember who that was, but if you're listening, that's the story with how that machine actually. Um, appeared so i was happy with the work don't know how long it took to do that but um i sent i sent off uh, the number 13 machine and um with you know just 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 off the the, the work that i'd seen now um yeah it 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 took a long time um a really long time about six and a half months long time um, for, for us to get get it back. And I was, obviously I was messaging the guy and I was getting really frustrated and I think he took on quite a chunk of project that like he was having to do in between his normal work. And um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a lengthy kind of frustrating process to be honest with you. And... I finally got the machine back, and it was unbelievable. Our, our, all that waiting was cancelled out. It was just 
absolutely stunning. And um, so that was the that was the start of the the King B. Now that I'm now looking at it and thinking, well, you know, like this 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 kind of needs gold plated. You know, it would look amazing gold plated. And um, I started to look about for a, a gold platers, and also like I, I was looking for a jewelers that um, could put some stones in it. I hadn't planned on putting stones in it at the start, but it, you know, it would have looked nice if it, you know, hindsight and that. So I started looking about for gold platers, and I found a guy. I think he's down in Essex called Rob Mitchell, and. Um, Rob was doing all sorts of different sorts of gold plating, but I'd actually found him because he gold plated a, a Toyota Supra engine and it was all engraved. And um, so I'd, I'd, I'd already been like it'd been on the radar, as it were. So I contacted him about doing the the, the gold plating, and it turns out his cousin is uh, is a jeweller. So we were in a sort of win win situation here, and uh, I decided to get. Rob's cousin to um, put some stones in the machine. I didn't get it gold plated. I got the stones put in first. I wanted to see it back, see what to do with it next, whether I was going to gold plate it or not. It's you know, so um, it came back, and this is the this is the finished product. So again, people listening on to the podcast will have to jump on the YouTube channel if you want to see this. And it would be worth jumping on. Um, so this is the King B. It's fully engraved from top to toe. It has a hundred and forty rubies in it, and a hundred and five diamonds. It's really hard to see, but the the all in the number thirteen and around the filigree and around the grape and. Um, so yeah, and that was another situation where, um, the, it, it took another hell of a long time to do again. Um, you could probably wrap this whole project funnily enough up in 13 months. It was about six and a half months for the, for the diamonds and it was about six and a half months for the engraving and, um, there's a 13 on the side of it, and it, it, it totted up to about 13 months worth of waiting for this machine. And I realised that although it looks absolutely amazing, it's not a service that I could sell. Um, because people just aren't that patient, you know. You, you're not going to... I couldn't put engraving on my website and say, oh, yeah, we're doing engraving. And then it take six and a half months to, to, to get one back, you know. So... Um, yeah, it, it. I was a little bit stumped with, with it, but Robert said, um, "Can I do a machine for you? You know, like, can, will you give us free run on one?" And I said, "Yeah, why not?" And uh, so, you know, he says, "Me and my cousin will do a do a full job on it. We'll gold plate it, and we'll we'll put some stones in it and stuff." So I sent them a, a, a body and and a grip, and they started work on it, and they kept quite a lot of it secret for for quite some time and um, I guess till the end of it I maybe did get some pictures of part you know like progress stuff but 
Um, it didn't really register what they were doing with it until the, the until it was fully finished, you know. And um, the shoulders, the, the the finished tattoo machine, and it had love in there weren't diamonds, there were CZs on one side of the motor body and hate on the other side of the motor body in 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 CZs and then black CZs around the grip. I think there's some black on the on the motor body as well, and it was uh, gold plated. So looked absolutely stunning. Um, and now this is a machine that I didn't have a customer for, and I didn't know what I was going to do with. Um, it was a bit of a promotional project and and what have you. So um, a lot of people know that. I'm quite big on the on the law of attraction and how your thoughts become things and um, the universe delivering certain certain things to you. So I'm here sat looking at this machine. It's got love on one side and hate on the other. And one of my sponsored artists, Willie G, who had the first gold-plated, rose gold-plated killer bee uh, from uh, over in Northern Ireland there, um... Willie had been guest spotting at uh, the tattoo studio, which is the one that was featured on Miami Inc., which is called Love Hate, uh, owned by Army James. And so he knew Army personally, and his studio is called Love Hate. So there was a little bit of a, a link there. I thought, well, if anybody... Uh, should be having this machine it really should be you know and it's a promotional um project it really should be army james next thing i get a get a message off willie g saying are you going to be at london tattoo convention i'm like yeah of course i am why he says well i'm getting tattooed off army so i thought you might want to meet him and uh i says well that's funny i've got this gold machine with bling all over it and love hit love on one side and hate on the other um so yeah i'd love to meet him because i've got a machine for him as it happens um and so we met up at london tattoo convention and i gave army the machine and um yeah he's got he's, he's had another one since and uh yeah it was the first real celebrity artist that that had had their hands hands on a on one of the killer bees and again it it I think it did well for for Rob as a promotional project and, and it did well for us as well and you know that association with with Army and um yeah so it's just mad how things can can happen and un, unfold uh to, to to deliver your things that you you you're looking for, you know, like it, it, it I don't know. What are the chances? Come on, what are the chances? What the he, Rob didn't even know that like Army James had a shop called Love Hate. It, 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 there was no intention at that time. It was just pure coincidence. So um yeah, I think I think I think I think that one worked out really well. But anyway, we started smashing the conventions um and we were really busy selling machines at this point and I started engraving because of obviously it was going to be a pain in the neck to uh, get someone else to do it. I thought, sorry, I'm just going to learn to engrave myself. So um, I bought the engraving equipment, 
which to be fair wasn't cheap it, it cost about a couple of grand to to get everything that i needed but um it meant that i was able to 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 engrave the machine so then i had to go through a process of uh learning how to engrave which was quite a steep learning curve but one of the things that i've always loved about the engraving apart from the engraving itself because it's like such an addictive thing to do um is the fact that I created the canvas which I'm now doing my art on. And that canvas was designed to do art. So I'm putting art on something that I created that then goes out there and does a shit ton more art. Um, it's a strange sort of Terminator type thing, you know, but um, I really like the fact that the, the that I'm I'm putting art onto uh, a machine that's designed to to create art. So, um, yeah, the uh, the 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 the, um, the engraved machines really sort of uh, got us noticed in America. Um, the maybe partly to do with army, but I don't think it was. To be honest with you, I think it was more the King Bee and people seeing that. It, People in America like that sort of stuff. They've got more guns than we have, you know. Um, so um, the, the 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 engraving took off quite a lot in America. I sent a lot of machines over there that, that that were engraved, and then obviously it picked up over here as well. And I don't know how many machines that I've engraved to date, but there's been a lot of them. Um, and obviously, yeah, I'm I'm we're still like sponsoring artists and. Um, what I found was that a lot of them that we sponsored weren't, you know, we were going to these conventions and they were putting up the banners and stuff like that and they, they like it from the point of view that, oh, I'm sponsored by Killer Bee Tattoo Machines, but, like, when the, you know, the they don't bother um, putting anything in a post about the machine that they're using and, you know, they're forgetting to tag you and stuff and, um, you know, it becomes one or two posts and then it becomes constant, you know, you start to realise you've got to chase people to actually... Once you've given them the machine, they say, "Oh yeah, I'll do the do, do the do the work for you. I'll, I'll I'll sing your praises. I'll sell loads of machines." And then they put like three posts on Facebook, and then they don't do anything again, and still continue to use the machine. Now a lot of them um, do continue to 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 you know taggers and um, but um, it, it was getting very apparent that a lot of people just wanted sponsored for for a free machine, and they didn't have any intentions of doing anything back for it. Um, it was a, there's, a, there's a lot of takers in this industry, you know. There's not a lot of givers, but um, so yeah, it, it became a problem. And what I realised was that people were who had bought a machine that paid top top price for a machine were singing its praises and tagging me and tagging the machine and doing reviews on the machine, talking about the machine, selling the machines to the friends more considerably more than the people who had been sponsored and I, I, it was it started to become a, a big thing that, that that obviously you know I'm chucking a lot of money's worth of machines at these lot and they're doing the bare minimum to not enough and that doesn't count for all of them by the way that's just like a majority to, to be fair but um and then the on the other side we've got people who who owe me nothing were 
singing my praises and the machine's praises way, way louder. And because I'm from the car industry, and because I've uh, um, you know, spent a lot of time around car clubs and the car culture, I've I seen very early on what was actually going on. And you can compare it to the likes of Volkswagens, for instance. Um, the Volkswagen uh, clubs and culture and uh, community, it's very tight. And they're very proud of the Volkswagens, and they 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 get Volkswagen tattoos for God's sake. They 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 they'll they, you know they wear Volkswagen clothes. They they all ride about on like you know skateboards and do Volkswagen things that they do at the Volkswagen meetings, and they have Volkswagen meetings, and they you know they have Volkswagen shows, and they have Volkswagen clubs, and they they don't do, they don't do it because Volkswagen gave them a car. They do it because they love it. And that's why people were um, behaving like they were with the killer bees, you know. It wasn't through that and it wasn't through anything that I'd done for them. It was just because they love it. And so what I seen was a, a community starting to form that was a little bit unique because there wasn't a lot of that going on. Um, every, everybody else, that all the other machine manufacturers, people were doing it because they were trying to get sponsored or um you know you know or or, or or sponsored but like this this was different and um there were different kinds of people it was it was very clear that it was different type of people so um this is where the killer bee crew started I, I i wanted to not so much move away from the sponsored artist but i wanted to recognize the the work that people were putting in, the support that I was getting from these these people who who I'd gave nothing to in return, um, so I wanted to create something for for for, for them to give them a bit of uh, recognition and and also to um, strengthen up the, the the community a little bit, just bring it together a little bit. So that's where I created the the, the Killer Bee Crew, which is an owners club. Um, anybody who owns a Killer Bee can jump on the page and you know be part of that community it's, you, you, you don't even have to sign a form or anything if you've got one of those machines then then you're in you know and um you know what i want to do with the killer bee crew is tighten it up a little bit and like turn it into a proper club but um so that's what uh the, the, that's where the killer bee crew came from and then i found another thing that i noticed was that i was teaching a lot of people how to tattoo there was people buying machines, and they weren't just buying them off me. They were buying them off supply companies in America, in the UK, in Europe. And I was getting bombarded with people asking me how to use the machines, how to line with them, how to pack with them, how, how, to, how to tattoo with them. And, and I was spending a huge amount of time just trying to give these people advice, you know. And, and because it all came back to me, everybody knew that, like, well, most people that bought a machine... A lot of them knew that it was me that made them. So regardless of who they bought them off, any problems, any questions or anything like that came directly to me. Um, so I'd not been not only been spanked on price, but uh, I was also getting spanked on service as well because I wasn't getting paid for that, was I? So, um, but anyway, it's it's um, the the. The, the the community that was forming the the customer base it was it was now worldwide you know it was it was everywhere and um 
we were starting to like upscale. I was constantly reinvesting into the next batch of machines and, um, we got to a stage where we would, we'd been doing 25s, batches of 25 for a long time, and then we had to upscale because of a big order that didn't come through. Um, but we had to upscale from 25 to 250, and it was a massive, massive jump for us. Um, so, you know, as we were growing, we're, we're doing more conventions and stuff, and at this point, I, I was still a one-man band at this point, you know, like doing all the, all the work, building all the machines, doing all the polishing, doing all the conventions, da da da, da. And, and And still tattooing. I didn't stop tattooing. Like, I carried on, like, um, doing, doing the tattooing as well. So this was very much in my spare time that, like, that became to the point that I didn't have any spare time. Um... And uh, so I needed to needed to get someone to help us. So I spent quite a long time training a lad up, and um, yeah, it's uh, we, we got a bit of a production line going, and and then I felt that I, would, I was able to uh, put a little, you know, pull back a little bit from it, so that I could um, de-stress a bit and focus more on the tattooing because I was so torn away from that, and um, so. I pulled back for a little bit and, um, yeah, w w it didn't take long before me taking my eye off the ball. We ended up with uh, a huge return rate. A return rate being the amount of machines that were coming back that were faulty. Now, bearing in mind, I had barely got any machines that were, that were faulty, the ones that I'd built. So I wasn't used to returns let alone the 40% return rate. Um, the machines weren't being built how I'd shown, and um, there was a lot of corners being cut, and there was a lot of issues. And we ended up with a 40% return rate and a lot of irate customers. Now, when I started, you know, obviously when you start getting complaints flying in through the door and they were arriving at me, um, you know, at, at that point, I started to realise we had we had quite a major problem. So, um, yeah, things had to stop. So, um, I was back to me again. Found that um, doesn't matter how much you stress, how important things are. The little things, the details, the the fine things, the finesse on building these machines. Um it doesn't matter how important your stress it is, people still disregard it and just think, oh sorry, it doesn't matter and just sling them together and um hit and hope and yeah, so that's it, it was a huge problem. So yeah, I I ended up back by myself there uh, building the machines again and putting out fires all over the place of pissed off supply companies. Um in America, in the UK, um, pissed off customers all over the world. Um, it it was an absolute nightmare. Uh, took a long time to sort out. Um, I didn't feel I was being very productive for, for probably a good six months. I was just putting out fires, um, trying to, you know, keep people or 
get people happy again that were extremely pissed off with the so you you know when you send a machine to uh, America it costs a fortune in import tax when it lands on on their on their land and the same thing happens when it comes back so it's not even just the 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 logistics of moving these machines around the world and having to then them come back to to to, to be repaired and then send them back out again it's the sheer cost of it um so it was hitting us in a lot of ways i had to like um send out new machines i had to repair a lot of machines i had to pay a lot of import tax and postage and all all foot the bill sort of thing so it was it was quite crippling really and it certainly um how do you put this i, I just lost a bit of love for it you know, I began to hate it because it became a noose around my neck. It would, I'd worked so hard to build something up to a stage that, that it was really getting going. And because, I mean, I mean it wasn't just that, uh, that I, I, I did, to, you know, like focused on my tattooing. I had to because I was short staff at the, the, at the studio at the time. So the tattoo studio, which was my bread and butter that had funded the, the Killer Bees all, all the way, um, had was now having problems and it needed my attention so uh, I had to pull myself away from making the machines and go back to tattooing it's not something that I really wanted to do I was wanting to move towards the the machines but um, either way I come back to the killer bees and the you know it's in a right shit state Um, so um, yeah, I, I wound things down. I, I didn't do any promotion or anything. I didn't want to sell any more machines because I was busy fixing the ones that were fucked. And, um, yeah, so I, I wound things down quite a lot and it, it, it's uh, it's continued along that way, really. Um, because I'm still tattooing, because the, the, the Killer Bees do take a lot of attention. And if, if I post a machine like on on social media then it creates interest and then i have to like like sell machines now i keep the website out of stock um because it used to be that orders just came in on the website it's an e-commerce website so the orders just came in it, it, it pings up in your emails and your app and machines sold well when that happens and you haven't got any built for example, you've got the parts that's sat there, but you, you've been busy tattooing, so you haven't got any built. And ping machine sells. You've only got a you know you know a matter of time before you need to get that built and post it off to them, or else these people are going to be, you know, where's my machine at? So the reason that I keep the machines out of stock on the on the website is because it, it restricts access to them. If um, if someone wants a machine and they've contacted me and I'm able to say to them, look, I'm probably not going to make this machine until the weekend. Uh, and by the time I get it boxed up and ready to go, it could be a couple of weeks. Is that all right? And they say, yeah. So that person knows that they're, you know, they, they know that I'm busy. They know that I've got stuff on and they're quite happy to wait. I'm happy to deal with those, those people. But when they're coming out of the blue, um, at three o'clock in the morning, ping machine sold. And then the next day someone's messaging you with question marks saying, when am I getting my machine? And then, or even like three o'clock in the morning, 
the, the, the message, oh, I've just bought a machine, when will it arrive? And cost three o'clock in the morning, they're in a different country, but they expect me to be answering, you know, they can see I'm online and stuff, so the messages directly, and like, I bought a machine, where, where, when do you think it'll arrive? And uh, then the next thing, like 20 minutes later, you get question marks. Yeah, like, this this is an unbelievable thing because in the tattoo industry you see people and I've had the very same people moaning about customers, tattoo customers, asking a question at two o'clock in the morning and then sending question marks because they haven't responded. I see tattooists going off about this all the time but I have had cases where a tattooist that has went off about that has actually done it to me. Um, it's infuriating, and uh, yeah, but I, I just don't need the um, something like that controlling my life, i.e., having to do something when my phone pings and I have to jump into to, to action. Um, so that's why I keep the machines out of stock on the, on the website, so I don't have to, uh, so I can make them when I want to make them and deal with who I want to deal with rather than just someone uh, who comes out of the blue. Um, so obviously I'm not selling a lot of machines at the minute, although I do put up little batches now and again. Um, I've got some ready at the minute actually. Um, but I'm still looking after all the machines that are out there. I've still got parts. I still service the machines. I still um, look after. If anybody's got a problem, I'm always there speaking to people constantly about um, you know what to do. Uh, um, I'm, I'm uh, giving people advice on repairing things remotely um, and if the problems can't be sorted then they, they get sent into us and I repair the machine um, which brings us to another problem with the doing that and that's the hygiene bombs that I get sent um, as I said right at the start these machines were designed to be easy to clean to increase the hygiene standards in the tattoo industry. And don't get us wrong, a lot of the machines that come back for, for servicing or any repairs or anything um, are clean, but there's a percentage of them that aren't, and it's, it's, a, it's a reasonably high percentage, and I just think it's absolutely disgusting. Not just that there's tattooists out there that, don't clean the machines and they're tattooing people with this they, you know the next person's getting tattooed off a dirty machine and um the same people will be on facebook saying are oh, the these lockdowns are, are wrong we're the cleanest industry out there you know we we, we, we sterilize everything and everything's clean to a surgical standard and you know we're, we're the cleanest industry and I call bollocks um, because I've seen these people's machines and um, it's 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 a it got to the stage where the insults I mean I take it as an insult because it's really insulting it's really ignorant to send the machine machine to the person who who built it, who made it in such a shit up state when it was designed to be cleaned, it's 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 shocking. And I don't see why I should have to uh, unpackage that in my workshop and 
have to deal with somebody else's mess because I've got to, I've got to take that machine to bits. I've got to, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I've got to sterilize my tools after it. I've got to sterilize my workstation after it. I've got to be very careful not to cut myself on this said machine that, that, that there's, it's not just one, it's loads. There's, there's, it's unbelievable. Um, so I now put a 50 pound charge on dirty machines that get sent to us. Um, it's maybe not a commonly known thing, but hopefully this uh, lets people know a bit more. If you're going to send me a, a, a dirty machine, then I'm going to charge you 50 quid before I even touch it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, yeah, hygiene bombs. It's 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 not good. So there's a lot of things that frustrate us with 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 the tattoo industry and um, some some of the people in it. There's some absolutely fantastic people and there's some brilliantly clean people. But there's 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 the opposite side of it as well. It's not all all roses, you know what I mean? It's uh, um, it's a very difficult industry to work in. There's a lot of very difficult people in the industry with very bizarre viewpoints and opinions and um, a lot of uh, lack of uh, fundamental knowledge, I would say as well. I get asked by a lot of people, oh, "When are you going to make a soft hit machine?" My answer is, when are you going to get the skills to use a hard-hitting machine? Because it's not a soft hit that you need, it's the skill set. Um, there's so many people out there with only partial skill sets and so many people that don't actually know what they're, they're doing with these machines. It's a professional tattoo machine and a lot of people haven't got a clue how to use it. Um so yeah, another problem is like dealing with other countries um, from a business point of view and from um, um, customer service point of view. The time zones, uh, it, it's it's not easy when you're in the UK and um, you know Australia's you know eleven twelve hours apart, America's five hours behind you. So when you're getting ready to go to bed, America's just finished eating and then they've, they've sat down and they've got the phone and they're thinking, oh, I'm going to speak to Richard about getting a new machine and the messages and they see that I'm still online and, and you know, they, <laughs> so you can't think, oh, well, I'll just leave it till tomorrow sort of thing because then you get the question marks. So you end up responding and then you end up late and, you know, so like the whole time zone thing's like really screwed with... um um, my work schedule and it ends me up working all day tattooing and all night into the late hours of the night um, early hours of the morning working on machines and it's been like that for a long time so um, yeah it's been very tiring and um, it does wear you out um, but I am still selling machines and I am I'm still engraving. Um, I really do enjoy both of them, really, but just at a level which is controllable and um, doesn't completely take over my life. So that kind of gets us up to about roundabout now. And um, 
at this point we've got an interesting twist to the story really because um it's and this is another reason why I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to actually let people know that this is happening um I'm stopping making the original killer bees I'm not stopping making machines although I am you know wound down to a large extent on that but I am I'm not stopping making tattoo machines but I am stopping making the original killer bees and that's because of the um, arrangement with Max on the motor company. They're uh, completely inconsiderate of small businesses and the little guy, you know. Um, and they just won't give me a decent price on the motors unless I buy 25 grand's worth at a time. And that's it's 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 crippling to to um have that many motors sat when you're not selling that many machines just so you can get the motors at a price which make the machines financially viable so the pricing from from maxon who have been extremely stubborn um of uh is what really put an end to the killabees um the original killabees um so I've got a couple of machines left. I've got a, I've got one machine that's for sale, and then I've got the last Killaby. There would be some others kicking about, um, you know, that, that that I would just kind of keep for myself, or they were potentially put aside for engraving, and that's what the last one is as well, actually, because um, I'm I'm coming to the end of my motors. I've do have a couple of bits and pieces of bodies about, but the the, the um, I'm at the end of the motors. So, um, the last killerby, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know whether to. I don't want to just sell it. Uh, it's it's a it's a plain bodied one, so it hasn't got the. I put it to one side, so that the body's actually a couple of years old. But obviously, it's never been built. It was put aside to. To, to, to engrave and now I'm at a stage where I'm running out of motors so I, I, I want to engrave the last machine um, I want to do something special with it so uh, I don't know whether I'm going to then raffle that machine off or whether I might keep that machine um, I've still got the, the, the King Bee number 13 so I don't feel that I need to need to really keep another one um, I don't know I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that machine so maybe you can chuck some ideas at us with that but I was thinking of uh, engraving it and doing something special with it and then either raffle it off or run some sort of a competition or something like that for it. I want to do something with it anyway. Um, so we shall, we'll, we'll see. But that's coming very soon because I've got one killer bee left and then we're on to the last one. So um bit of an end of an era really. Um but the, the, the like I said, the the Type F really is a, um, it's just a much slicker, slimmer, lighter version of the Killaby. Anyway, um, it is a Killaby. All the geometry of a Killaby is still the same. All the adjuster, a lot of the parts. It's really just that it's got a, a smaller motor in it, um, a more compact motor from from Fall Harbor who uh, also supply the motors for the bumblebees. So it works out really well that I can um, 
you know that these two machines the bumblebee and the 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 type f killer bee both run the same motors it's it's a lot more uh financially viable for us in, in that sense um so that gets us up to now um that's what that's what's that's where immortal innovations um and the killer bee tattoo machines is that right now um into we're at the end of 2020 thank god um hopefully 2021 is going to be a better year for for everybody not just the tattoo industry but um i'm going to con- for 2021 i'm going to continue on with the the type f's and the and the bumblebees on a on a small scale i do have a, another machine that's in prototype stage as we speak it will also be running the same Fall Harbor motor. Um, now this is a design that they like, I've had on the drawing board for eight years plus. It was actually one that was designed before the Bumblebee or the Killerbee or around that time. It was a you know a potential of the first machine, but it was it was too complex and too awkward, and um, you know it was a little bit tricky at the time but it's something that um i've always thought about and so i'm I'm pursuing that idea now slowly i'm not i'm not like you know pushing it too hard i'm not rushing myself with it it's uh, been there for eight years and it can you know it can uh, certainly have another couple in it before i'll be happy with it i wouldn't be surprised um but i'd like to see that to be honest with you i'd like to see that uh coming to market next year i think uh um, i can have a push on that and We'll see how things go. We'll see what the years, the years looking like. Um, I've also got a new grip um, that I'm going to do for the killer bees. I've been playing with a a new design machine, and the machine is a completely new design, the new prototype. And uh, I've found the grip to be um, extremely unusual and delivers a handling characteristic that I've never felt before. Um, it's extremely enjoyable and fun to use. It puts uh, the, a, a different type of motion and manoeuvrability into the, into the machine. It completely changes the handling. Um, so yeah, there's, there's I'm going to bring out a new grip that will fit all of the, all the killer bees and the type Fs. I want to do some. Uh, I want to focus on the killer bee crew a bit in 2021 as well. Um, bring that together and get it as a, as a more solid club. I want us to do conventions together. I want to get back onto the the merchandise, the banners, um, and all that stuff. Do some key rings and just 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 give back a little bit to that that community and probably bring the pro team into the killer bee crew as 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 part of the the, the killer bee crew um the uh yeah it'd be nice to have the, the the pro team in there as well and obviously i'm going to continue to look after the bees as well the, 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 there's they still need serviced and looking after and uh, parts wear out and um all the parts unlike all the other machines on the market are replaceable so you can fix your machine if it if it, if it breaks down so um so yeah i'll be still looking after the bees now the future of tattooing just look, looking into the future a little bit i thought i'd uh put this 
this in there. Ah, I, uh, I went. I went through with Max Power and the custom cars. I went through a recession with my business, and I we're go we're going into a recession now. You know, COVID is triggering a major financial problem and although they're busy talking about the C word, nobody's talking about the R word and the the world is faced with a global recession that I don't think that we're going to be able to escape. Um, and the tattoo industry is going with it. Now, when I was uh, doing the custom cars, the max power bubble, the custom car industry that you could call the max power bubble eventually burst and disappeared for it, dis- it dissipated and ended up um forming a lot of other smaller bubbles but the 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 big bubble that was max power got so big that it could not continue to grow bubbles pop and the max power era of custom cars definitely popped but when you look back over history things do that like the the super clubs you know the the, the it's 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 happened with the the nightclubs but they got so big with uh, i think it was home that, that you know you, you had you had cream and gate crasher and all those, but when the it, when they built home, it was just su- such a big super club that they couldn't fill it, and then the, the you know the, the 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 country started to change, and um, people stopped going clubbing, and the, the, that that bubble burst as well. So, what I'm saying is, the tattoo industry has got absolutely massive, and it's a it's at a huge bubble stage at the minute. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If that bubble burst without the 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 C word going on in twenty twenty, so the um, yeah I do I do think that the the, the bubble is bursting, uh, and it's something that people in the industry are going to have to adapt to and um, find the ways around it. Some will survive. Some some won't. There's going to be businesses that go down. There's going to be businesses that go down that, that purely because of COVID. But the the tattoo industry itself is at large bubble stage. You can't fit any more tattoo conventions into the year. There's no more room. Um, you can't fit them into any bigger buildings. There's no more bigger buildings. You know, so it's it's at a stage where it's it's due to pop, and um, it's going to be interesting to watch because I watched it. Um, I watched the last one as well. It wasn't pleasant last time. I don't think it's going to be pleasant this time. But um, I'm a lot better prepared than I ever was um, for, for for something like this happening. So um, let's just see what the the the, the future holds. But um, the um, the, the the future for, for actual tattooing and tattoo machines, I think, is this. I think in the future, tattoos won't be put on with tattoo machines. 
I think tattoos will be put on with light and using a process similar to sublimation where you print off the image on special paper with special ink and then you wrap that around the, the onto the skin and then a light will be applied to that paper which is a special frequency of light that activates that ink and that ink will um, leave the paper and be absorbed into the skin and you'll peel the paper off and the image will be there no artistic skills whatsoever the the, the, the only um, uh, skills artistic skills that would be involved would be the creation of the image in the first place but not the application of the image tattooists will be gone in the future it's it's I just I just can't see uh, it happening forever. Yes, there will there will be people who still put ink in with needles, just like there's still people who like uh, you know with the, the tap and poke tabori and all the different styles, traditional tribal, um, ancient styles of of tattooing and putting ink into the skin. Those will still exist, and so will the tattoo industry in general as a smaller bubble. You know, that big bubble's going to burst and there's going to be lots of different smaller bubbles. It's going to go a little bit more underground and I think that the technology will take over and um, it will be possible to create an image on your iPad, hit print on a special printer, wrap it around someone's arm, stick them in a light box and boom, they've got a tattoo. And in the exact same opposite of that, that's how they're going to remove tattoos as well. They already remove tattoos with light. They use lasers to remove light. But once tattoo inks are developed so that they are designed to be activated and deactivated by light, then we can put them on and take them off with light and a needle will not be required. So that's how I see the, the future of tattoo machines. That's how I see the future of the, the the tattoo industry um people need to adapt i need to adapt um and um i'm sure the industry will adapt so um yeah it's uh i wouldn't say it's it's looking looking grim but um i think for everybody we need to be heads up and and thinking about the future because that's where innovation comes as well, you know, like, and that's why the company's called Innovations. I don't think I invented anything. I used the, 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 the mechanism inside the tattoo machine is essentially copied from the valve system in a car engine. So I didn't invent that. I just put it together in a way that that works as a tattoo machine. So I, I feel that I'm an innovator, not um, uh, not so much a not so much an inventor. I didn't invent tattoo machines. I just innovated new ones. So thanks for listening. Um, hope you all enjoyed it. Hope, hope you all found it informative. It was uh, good to like be able to tell the full story of the Killer Bees up to now and into the future. Um, and yeah, if you want to check out the. The websites, it's it's for the tattoo machines, the killer bees, it's immortalinnovations.co.uk. And if you want to check out for the uh, for tattoos, it's immortalartstudio.com. 
So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye.